My name is Thanos Karatsias. I'm a clinical psychologist and a professor of mental health, uh, currently based in uh, Edinburgh Napier University and the NHS Lothian River Centre for Traumatic Stress. Thank you very much for joining us. I'm really interested in your your work and your kind of dedication to psychological trauma. It seems like your career has really focused on this topic in a variety of different populations, um, prison population, people with learning disabilities, a challenging kind of field to work in, but a field that has in recent years become much more to the forefront of people's minds in mental health. Do you want to tell us kind of how you got into that in the first place and a bit about that journey? Okay, okay. Uh, No, absolutely. As you said, I've been working in the field of of trauma all my professional uh, career. Uh, That is now uh, well over uh, 20 years. Um, I guess I'm I'm quite a pragmatic person uh, in, in nature. And uh, psychological trauma is the only mental health uh, condition that has a known cause at a traumatic life event. There is no other condition like that. And I guess when um, I I came across through my uh, postgraduate studies uh, with, with the field, that made sense uh, to me and and i thought okay clearly this is a very interesting area to to work on um, I, I was i was uh, fascinated uh, ever since but the other thing that caught uh, my attention uh, as as a as a psychologist and later as as a clinical psychologist was that the vast majority of any uh, population, whether it's a general population or clinical populations, uh, they, they have experienced traumatic life events. And, and people think that, and, and rightly so to, to, to some extent, that a traumatic life event equates to PTSD. But the reality is that traumatic life events predispose people to a number of different conditions. PTSD is one of them. Complex PTSD is the newer uh, condition, but uh, there is no uh, known mental health condition that is not associated to to traumatic life events, including uh, personality disorders of of different kinds. So I thought quite early uh, for ecological validity, (laughs) if, if if I work on, on that field, I would be able to have a greater impact in, in the field of, of mental health. But working on PTSD and now on complex PTSD is quite useful from a clinical perspective and a research perspective because it provides us with a framework to address traumatic stress. And although people who have experienced traumatic life events, they might present with all sorts of different mental health problems. If you identify that this is a result of a traumatic life event quite early, and you you do something about that, you address this in some sort of way, of a way, then that means that that you would expect this would have a positive impact 
on, on their mental health problems, whatever that is, depression, anxiety, PTSD complex, uh, PTSD. So that's, um, that's how I found my, myself in the, in the field. I still find it very fascinating and, and new, new things to unravel and, and understand all, all the time. I'm really interested in the fact that you're talking about complex PTSD and borderline personality disorder at the conference. And I suppose one of the things I've reflected on in recent years when I've been talking to experts at mental health conferences around the world is that personality disorder, and I'm, I'm generalizing here, personality disorder is often seen as a kind of diagnosis of exclusion where we have very few effective ways of helping people. Whereas PTSD and complex PTSD seems to contrast a lot with that. We seem to have lots of ways that we can help people, lots of effective treatments, you know, lots of evidence-based research. And yet we have this kind of overlap between these two conditions where we say, actually, people that are diagnosed with personality disorder, perhaps they're misdiagnosed and they should actually be diagnosed with complex PTSD. So it's, it feels like an area where there's a lot of, obviously, stigma and, and confusion. Yeah, I want you to kind of reflect on that. What's the relationship between these two conditions? First of all, you know, you, you're absolutely right there that for for many people it has been a diagnosis of uh, exclusion personality disorders or people who they they present with those difficulties it, it takes quite a bit of of time you know to to get the the proper uh, diagnosis and unfortunately i i don't think that you know we are in many cases, or it used to be a historic thing, I think that now are, are getting better with assessment. We are not necessarily assess uh, uh, people properly, and many people have been um, mis misdiagnosed. Um, and that happens not only within the area of personality disorders, but many people, for example, have been misdiagnosed with depression or anxiety disorders, whereas the true nature of their problems is uh, traumatic stress. But at the same time, we shouldn't we should necessarily assume that everybody has uh, traumatic stress. Because if you look, if you look at different uh, studies, which I'm going to talk about um, as, as part of my uh, keynote for, for the event, you could see a clear distinction between complex PTSD uh, symptoms and, and borderline personality disorder, and the same would be with psychosis, anxiety, and, and depression. But the, the reality is that, you know, conditions do uh, overlap. And in, in the case of uh, complex PTSD, there are three clusters of, of uh, factors called uh, disturbances of self-organization. And these are emotional dysregulation, negative self-concept and, and, and difficulty with, difficulties with the relationships. These DSO factors uh, can be found in almost every other condition, including a borderline personality disorder. But it's perhaps how the symptoms manifest that um, makes uh, a huge difference. The phenomenology 
of, of how they, they do manifest. So for example, I'm only gonna give uh, an example in the interest of, of time there. Uh, self-concept, okay? Uh, difficulties with self-concept is a problem for both people with borderline personality disorder and people with complex PTSD. But in complex PTSD, we see this negative self-concept as permanently low and very hard to shift into a more positive kind of state. Whereas in, in borderline uh, personality disorder, we, we see that you know, this is going up and down from positive to, to negative, is the sense of self is, is very uh, un unstable as, as it has been uh, described. So the problem is the same, but it manifests uh, uh, quite, quite different. The other thing that creates you know, a, a bit of confusion and overlap there is that a, a large, for, to be diagnosed with complex PTSD, you would need to, to have a traumatic stressor is, is a prerequisite for, for the diagnosis. But not everybody with a borderline personality disorder or other personality disorders would have um, a traumatic stressor uh, in, in their history. So there are many people there who present with those symptoms, but not necessarily uh, with, with uh, a traumatic stressor. But it is quite positive, I think, to know, as we said earlier on, when traumatic stress is present, when there is a history of traumatic stressor, uh, because the interest now is in the overlap, because we know that the two conditions overlap and there are many people who uh, th there is a proportion of, of people who can be diagnosed with both conditions. What would happen if we address this from a trauma perspective as opposed to a personality disorder perspective? And there are new ways we're thinking again of new models of, of treatment. I've made some uh, recommendations to the literature and we are now, we're in a good position. We're looking into, we're doing the, the trials to, to find what is the best way to, to help uh, uh, people with uh, complex PTSD. So if we know that people with uh, personality disorders, they have symptoms of complex PTSD, then a big question is what would happen to their personality disorder symptoms if we address their complex PTSD uh, symptoms. And I think that would be a major area of, of inquiry over, over the next uh, few years. And I guess in the UK, we've had this drive over recent years towards trauma-informed care and trauma-informed services. And, you know, the kind of buzzword has been, or the, the phrase has been, you know, focus on what's happened to people rather than what's wrong with people. And that very much kind of, you know, plays into what you're saying here. But what needs to change in services? What needs to change with clinicians and practitioners in order for that to really happen? Because you're talking about a new diagnosis here, complex PTSD. You're talking about a diagnosis with personality disorders that's been around for many years and that's been, you know, misused in many cases. And you're talking about a group of people who have be, potentially been traumatized, but also been discriminated against. You know, I'm thinking about um, black men who very rarely get diagnosed with personality disorders, tend to be much more likely to be diagnosed as psychotic or schizophrenic. 
Um, there's lots of cultural as well as clinical issues to think about. How would you say services need to change and, and practitioners and clinicians' experience needs to change for this to be done more accurately? That, that is an excellent uh, question. Uh, I think up to now, the focus of our work is to find effective treatments for, for um, all, all these uh, different uh, conditions. And I think that, you know, what happens in, in uh, clinical services quite a lot is a very uh, rapid kind of, of assessment and then, you know, assign a, a diagnosis and then a path for, for treatment. And that has been the dominant model for, for the last decades in, in the UK and, and beyond. And I'm pretty sure that has been quite successful for many, but for, for many people who clearly, you know, they, they saw the, the benefits of, of that. And we have, there are many, many success stories out there. But I think this is a system that failed quite, quite a few. And, and as you said, many people, you know, felt let down, they didn't get the, the proper treatment. I think that my suggestion for, for services is for those to be front-loaded. So in, instead of rushing people through assessment, just spend a little bit more time at the beginning when someone is being referred to a service with a, a problem, just to spend some time with them to figure out exactly what the problem is, just to do a very thorough uh, assessment, to identify all their problems and all their, their needs. And sometimes, for example, there are a number of people who are, cannot be fitted within a specific category, they're subsyndromal, but their, their symptoms are very, very debilitating. And because they're unable to fit in within a specific category, they cannot access uh, proper, proper treatment and, and support. So I would say, um, you know, uh, front load services to understand what the problems are, what the difficulties are, and, and then bring together a package of care that suits the needs of that particular individual. So become a more uh, person-centered, uh, provide more person-centered and personalized uh, care. That doesn't mean that you, you have to make major changes and adjustments into the, the system. All clinicians are incredibly well uh, trained and very skillful to provide, you know, all sorts of different therapies with minor uh, adjustments and, and focus on the needs of a particular individual. I, I think we, we can help far more people compared to, um, what what we we do now i want to ask you specifically about people with learning disabilities as well because i think that's a really interesting area that isn't um so much in people's minds in relation to personality disorders we know that people with learning disabilities often experience diagnostic overshadowing where the actual health issue that they have is overshadowed by their learning disabilities. And it might be that a physical health problem is missed, um, or it might be that a mental health issue is missed. What are the specific uh, issues that, that clinicians and practitioners need to think about 
if they're being presented with a person with learning disabilities who potentially has this history of trauma? I, I think um, the most important uh, issue for me that we have not figured it out yet is the phenomenology of trauma in these neurodiverse populations. Most of the research that we, we are doing at the moment, we assume that this is how a condition or a problem presents in, in people who, without learning uh, disabilities or uh, new neurodiverse uh, issues. And we, we think that the same, the, the problems manifest in the same kind of way in, in this population group. So we expect as a clinician, okay, think about PTSD or complex PTSD. You expect to see something similar in, in this uh, population. You don't see what you expect to see, then is, is not there. But maybe we need to see all these problems from the perspective of people with learning disabilities and maybe all these problems manifest uh, differently. For example, uh, a very interesting idea that has been uh, in the literature the last few years, and I have personally talked about it, is, is the issue of challenging behavior. And I'm, I'm wondering, and there is some evidence to, to that effect, whether challenging behavior is uh, a, a trauma uh, can be a, a symptom of traumatic stress in, in this population group. So you don't see the re-experience, avoidance, hyperarousal, the typical PTSD symptoms, but maybe you see, you know, something like that. And we know that the population are far more likely to have experienced traumatic life events throughout their lives in, in their childhood, and, and late, later on in adversity more, more uh, widely. So I would like personally to, to see more research on with that kind of perspective in, in mind, how these conditions, PTSD and complex PTSD, do um, come across, manifest in, in these different po populations. And I think once we know that, then we can develop the appropriate assessment tools and that will inform clinical practice in a completely different uh, way. I think, maybe I'm wrong there, there might be quite a lot of misdiagnosis there happening in people with IDs or because of the diagnostic over, overshadowing or perhaps because we do not necessarily understand purely uh, people's problems and, and difficulties. If you were given the opportunity to sort of say, let's, let's focus on one thing that's really going to improve the lives of people with a diagnosis of personality disorders, what would that be? I think that question would be best answered by people who are um, <laughs> experts in the field of, of personality disorders. I'm coming into that from a trauma perspective. And what we know is that many people with personality disorders, they do suffer from uh, complex traumatic stress. So a big question and a big priority in the future for, for me would be, what would happen, how people would respond, what would be the impact on their mental health if we targeted 
complex traumatic stress? Would that have an impact on, on the personality disorder? What would be the uh, impact on their general health and well-being, you know, more, more widely? And what's your hunch? What proportion of people do you think have been diagnosed with a personality disorder who would actually be better diagnosed with complex PTSD? And what's your hunch about how easy it would be to actually help these people if we push them down a complex PTSD pathway? Because we do have effective treatments there, don't we? We do and and we don't. You, you've mentioned this uh, effectiveness of treatments uh, earlier on, and it was in my mind to um, to to respond to that. But you know, then we we went into a, a different uh, direction. First of all, you know, the actual percentages we 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 don't we don't know. Uh, complex PTSD is a new diagnosis. Um, since 2018, was introduced. Uh, in ICD-11, and as from this year can be officially diagnosed because the ICD-11 has now been adopted by all the WHO countries, and U- UK uh, is is one of of them. So we we don't necessarily know, but I would I would say there are people who p- possibly must have been uh, mis- misdiagnosed. Um, but we don't know what is uh, the exact uh, number of of that. But when it comes to actual uh, treatments, there is an assumption that existing treatments are are quite quite helpful. But if you look at the evidence more closely, you would see that there is a very large percentage of people, uh, sometimes over 50% that that they do not respond to um, existing existing treatments and the, their symptoms are very, very uh, chronic. Um, in the case of complex uh, PTSD, because we, we did some meta-analysis on, on this area, what we found was that there are existing therapies can be helpful for some, but um, less so if the the, the source of traumatic stress is in childhood. These treatments tend to be less effective. And we know that many people with personality disorders have um, um, a history of, of stressors in, in childhood. But because everything is so new, we don't necess- I, I don't have a concrete answer to, to give you at the moment. But I think we are the, the the field is quite fertile at at the moment and it provides an opportunity for all of us to look into that with fresh eyes so we know for example that there is a population uh, with complex traumatic stress and personality disorders it, it would be quite useful to explore how uh, people would would respond um, if if we address this from a trauma uh, perspective, and I, I would be personally very, very keen to look into that in in the future. And we are looking similar work. You might be pleased to hear with uh, people with uh, psychosis. So we know, for example, that the two conditions again overlap through the DSO symptoms, 
So I'm doing one of the trials that I'm doing at the moment, the Picasso trial, as it is called, uh, is aiming to address, uh, we, we are addressing complex PTSD symptoms in uh, people with psychosis. And we, we want to explore what would happen to the symptoms of psychosis if we address this from um, a CPTSD uh, perspective. So there is quite a lot of work to, to be done uh, in, in the field. What would you say is the best, most up-to-date summary of treatment for complex PTSD that we could summarize? We, we've done three meta-analyses so far. Because complex PTSD is a new condition, there are no uh, any trials uh, targeting the symptoms of complex PTSD. But what we did is we looked into existing PTSD trials that they have assessed the complex PTSD symptoms using proxy measures. And what we found is that um, existing therapies can be useful for, for many, but as I said, the impact is moderated when um, the source of trauma is in, in childhood, which calls for new evidence and, and uh, new, new treatment approaches. I won't bore you with the details as part of this, and I'm going to save some of that for the conference presentation. But we, we looked into possible therapeutic avenues from a theoretical perspective, and we, bringing all that together, we have proposed a modular therapy as a way of, of addressing the symptoms of complex PTSD. So what modular therapy does is we are addressing each of the symptom clusters separately, starting with the DSO symptoms. So we have an intervention for um, affect dis dysregulation, um, we start with that, we address that, we see what the impact is on the other clusters, and then we decide on the next therapeutic target, and so on and so forth. And we developed a, a protocol for that, which we, we, we are now testing in Picasso. There is the recovery trial, another, another trial, trial we are doing for, uh, that is complex PTSD in uh, veterans. And we are planning other, other studies in, in the field. But there are already, I should add, a number of interventions that are addressing these problems quite, quite successfully. But we are using modular therapy as a framework to guide uh, the clinical um, uh, perspective. Um, so that is where we are uh, at the moment. And the evidence is ever-evolving. But I would like to see more studies in, in the future, not just for, from our group, from other groups, testing new, new treatments and new, new models of, of care for, for those with complex PTSD. Is, I think that's what many teams at the moment are, are, are doing, you know, just planning and testing existing and new therapies uh, for, for complex uh, PTSD. I'm, I'm quite lucky in, in what I'm doing. I'm part of, of an international group and we, we work with people all, all over the, the world on, on those issues. And we are planning um, uh, work on 
trials exploring the effectiveness of different interventions, not, not only in, in the UK, but in, in the US, Switzerland, uh, Australia, all, all over the, the world, is an international effort, I think, trying to address uh, those issues. But I think that complex PTSD is perhaps the most exciting development in the, the field of psychological trauma and psychotraumatology uh, the last uh, few decades. And we know that it has been an issue affecting uh, large numbers of, of uh, the, the population. In fact, now we know from studies, we conducted epidemiological studies all over the world that is a far more common condition than simple PTSD which is quite interesting because someone has to endorse six clusters of symptoms as opposed to three clusters of, of symptoms. You wouldn't expect to see, you know, um, higher rates of complex PTSD, but it confirms, I think, what we knew already, that complex PTSD is a very uh, common condition and many people are suffering from um, the effects. And I think is quite positive that people now are joining forces, looking into that issue and finding new ways of, of helping uh, people with, with uh, complex PTSD all over the world, including the UK. Mm -hmm.